Let me look something up real fast okay. so that I don't say this wrong. I mean, I probably will say it wrong, but the very least. Hello and welcome to the Legends of Loam. I'm your host and game master, Jonathan Banner. Welcome to the table. I'm Joel, and I play Maud Rattle, a level 4 Great Old One Warlock. I'm Heather, and I play Willow Lightstep, the level 4 Thief Rogue. Hi, I'm Matt. I play Barnabas Bulwark, the level 4 Devotion Paladin. The story so far. Our three heroes wake up to find themselves in a strange place, a series of trials to test their skills. They have no personal belongings with them. However, they are surrounded by pedestals filled with items of all sorts. After some brief examination and a few good skill checks, they seem to be magical items associated with the different deities of the realm. Willa grabs the first shiny object she can find, the Circlet of Milia, the god of civilization and family. Maud searches for a deity he knows and chooses the Bracelet of Acor, the god of the sea. Barnabas looks around for a weapon and finds the Hilt of Amuto, the deity of transformation magic. They work together to get through the trials, but eventually they find themselves in an arena where they must fight to the death. Or poof, as people seem to disappear the second they drop unconscious. In the last few moments, Maud is able to get the upper hand with his magic and is the last man standing. They all wake up from this dream, holding on to the magical item that they had chosen. The next day, our heroes stumble across each other in the real world, in the city of Kingsland. Barnabas is in the service of Melia at the local temple, Will is transporting a large crate of suspicious origin across the continent, and Maud, well, Maud is looking for answers after a chance encounter with a creature of ancient origins. As they meet and discuss what happened, the High Priestess of Melia tells them the best place to find the answers is in Hightower, which is, you know, conveniently, where both Maud and Willow were already headed. Our heroes set out. But along the way, trouble finds them, and the crate Will is transporting is stolen, and they rush off to find the thieves. After a full two episodes of hijinks, they retrieve the box and discover what is inside. An unusual sword that seems impossibly sharp, and highly impractical to use. Seriously, it's got this swinging blade thing that makes it incredibly dangerous to anyone near it, including the wielder. Anyway. After they rush off into the night, they have finally made their way to Hightower, the capital of the human continent. Now that our heroes have reached the destination, it's time to split the party. Willa heads off to find her contact at a rather sketchy tavern, the Fox's Quiver. Her contact isn't there, but she leaves a message with the barkeep. Meanwhile, the boys head off to find the Temple District, to gain access to the libraries of Scientia, the god of knowledge. They end up speaking with Priestess Vil Battlestone, who leads them down into the massive underground library of Scientia. Once she realizes who they are, Vil starts to grill them about their experience inside the Champion's Arena. The three of them talk into the night, and they forget about Willa. Speaking of Willa, she has spent most of her day up in the temple, waiting for the boys. Once it gets dark, she decides to call it a night and head to a local tavern for the night leaving word with an acolyte that she will return in the morning. The next day, Maud heads off to the Wizards University to check their library. Barnabas waits at the temple for Willa, and once they are reunited, they head back to the Fox's Quiver for lunch, and to, hopefully, deliver the crate Willa's been carrying across the country. 
Meanwhile, Maud has made his way into the library and met a very interesting librarian, Dagoon, a beholder. After weighing his options, Maud decides to trust this beholder and tell him what's been happening. Dagoon leads Maud back to his office where he produces a book covered in sea salt. We join Maud as he reads that book. Where were we? Creepy books. I will give you cliff notes of how he died, and then I might record more stuff about it or edit <laughs> stuff. Okay. And this is me warping the already lore kind of about Melander into this world. Yeah. So, Melander used to be one of the angel for one of the deities. He was one of the angels for Nanum, who was the, the goddess of poison. She is one of the children of uh, nature, but she was killed and her domain was lost. So there is no god of poison anymore. Hmm. No one has picked it up. You, you can't go and pray to someone that your poisoning is going to go correctly. You can go and pray that your sneaking goes great, but not that the poisoning is good. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. This world <coughs> is kind of amoral. Mm-hmm. I mean, but poison is a natural thing as well. I mean, there are... I mean, you can. You could also have gone to her and prayed that you didn't get poisoned. That was also, like, protection from poison call. was just as much in her realm as praying that the poisoning goes well. So she was, she was a favorite among royalty because <laughs> they tried to, you know, they offered her a fair amount of stuff so that they would not get poisoned. Through a means of stuff that I'm not going to go into because I'm not going to go into it. She is gone, and the domain is lost. And all of her her angels and devils were killed, cast out. It's kind of not clear on that. A number of them were killed. A number of them were just lost, gone. Moander was thought to be lost when she was lost. It says something about a battle between gods, and she she was killed, and... Her domain was lost, and he was presumed to have been lost with her then as well. But according to this book, at least, he sequestered himself away to basically the bottom of the ocean to sleep and heal and try to regain something, whatever he could. Okay, well, this book definitely seems uh, worth looking into more if there's anything else in it that I might be able to glean later. Probably. Uh, you would have to like sit down and go over your own notes, more or less. Yeah, I mean, I have a writing kit, so I yeah. can also write down stuff as I go. Roll me a quick perception at disadvantage. Three. Solid. All right. You are lost in this book. Yeah, yeah, that's, that seems fair. <laughs> um, you pull out probably a notebook or something and start making actual notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to leave you there okay. <laughs> while you're lost in that book. <laughs> so back in the fox's quiver, we've got uh, Willa and Barnabas hanging out, waiting for this woman to come in or something. Yep. While we're here, I would like to inquire more as to exactly what went down at the library and what was said and if she said anything interesting since I was kind of not part of that conversation if Bernabas wants to fill me in <laughs> well we 
basically recounted me and Maude our like perspectives of what happened. I was just so excited that I kind of forgot about you because I was going to regale someone with an adventure, nice. which is something I've always wanted to do. And Maude is just really socially awkward. I didn't think he wanted to be there. So I think he just answered as quickly as he could. And he was so nervous he forgot about you. I see. Still took you guys a long time in there. She had a lot of questions. Any interesting insights? I... Out of character, I forgot my notebook, so like the personal things I was looking for mm-hmm. will act like I told you them. I know it was about like the deities that had to do with um, the the vision that Imuto showed me, like who it could possibly relate to, and um, like before I could really get more answers about that, she kind of like went full on Inquisitor mode. Sounds scary. Um, yeah, she was a halfling, so she was pretty scary. You bet. <laughs> When I could actually look at her. And I feel like when I'm talking to her about this, I'm kind of like flipping, not flipping, but kind of like turning over my, my Amuto sword. So it's like changing form and just like, like it's a magic fidget spinner. Seems solid in a bar crowded with people. I trust everyone and I don't think anyone here would want to harm me in any way. Never mind that you're about to take off my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move like three seats down. I'm going to stop it on. Long sword. <laughs> It'd be worse. Well, why don't you give me a perception? Okay. I'm going to try a different die this time. <laughs> Which is doing great for me so far. A solid five. Okay. Barnabas, why don't you also give me a perception? That is a ten. Uh, the bar has gotten quali- quiet since you've been playing with your uh, <laughs> magic item. <laughs> yep. I'm going to like look around and see... What's going on? Um, as <laughs> soon as you... What are we going quiet about? As soon as you start to turn around, you hear a shuffling of chairs and whatnot, and then everyone is pointedly not looking at you when you <laughs> you look at the rest of the bar. I think a it's lot of these cool. people are nervous like Maude as well. Nervous? Yeah. Do I, I notice like any of this? Once he p- talks about the rest of the bar, you notice that everyone is pointedly not looking at you, but also not talking. That's sort of a genius. <laughs> it's kind of big right now. Yeah, put it away. You can dismiss it at any point. I'll dismiss it. Okay. Sorry, people. Um, no one really says anything, but the bard starts plucking a song. And I'll have you know my intelligence is at 10. That, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs> About the time the bar starts getting loud again. The front door opens, and a a woman in about her 20s walks in. She walks up to the bar um, and talks to the barkeep and says, Uh, yeah, one of my friends said that uh, someone here was looking for me about a package, the delivery. She's like, oh, oh yeah, uh, Bray, this is, um, oh, I'm sorry, I never caught your name. This It's, uh, it's Willa. Ah, uh, yes, she uh, says she has a package for you. Yes, the delivery oh, yeah. that you arranged from Freight Court? Oh, uh, yes, yes, of course. Um, and she kind of like just waits. Is there a discreet place that we could conduct this transaction? Um, she thinks for a second and she turns to the barkeep and is like, do, do you mind if we use, uh, the private dining room for just a few minutes? Go for it. No one's back there. Barnabas, we'll be back in just a sec. Okay. Um, <laughs> left with Barnabas in the early quiet bar. There is a, so there's like a small hallway that leads back to the rooms, but the, like the first door you come to is like a small private dining room. It could probably fit about 12 people, a little bit squished, 
So I will pull out the package and just lay it out on the table so that she can see it mm -hmm. as arranged. Yes, yes, of course. And she'll open it and look to make sure the sword's in there and everything. She's like, uh, yes, and um, I believe I still owed you some money. And she'll pull out a fairly large purse and hand it to you. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your business. And I will... She will wait for you to leave first. Yes, and I'm going to pack that away somewhere where it's not obvious. Okay. And go back out and slip back in with Brenda's. Okay. And I kind of have like the, the hilt of Emotus where I'm kind of like Put clanging it, it against my horn because I'm bored. Put it up. You're going to scare people. Is this, again. excuse me, Willa, is this your item? No, it is not. Okay. It's not going to be yours either if you keep flipping it around and scaring people. Oh, well, I want someone to try to take it from me. Right. We're leaving now. Where do you store that, Matt? <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> hold it, I'm holding it right now. Okay. Before we get too far, mm -hmm. I'm going to find someplace quiet to pop in and just make sure that everything's good with the money that I got and actually figure out how much I got. Uh, like how far? Like you're just ducking into an alley? Yeah. Okay. Inside you find 100 platinum. Okay. Which is like a thousand gold then, right? Yes. Look at you, Miss Moneybags. I presume you were trying to stealthily do this yes. so Barnabas couldn't yes. see it. So let's do a proposed stealth and perception. Nine, so I don't notice. <laughs> 25, yeah, no. An insight check. For me? Yeah. 21. That was the smoothest transaction you have ever had. Yeah, it was almost scary. And I'm pretty sure I got paid more than I was supposed to. Definitely. I think it was like supposed to be 500 or something like yes. that. Yeah. It's a little bit 500 scary. gold, not 500. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This whole situation makes me feel a little nervous, but I'm rich right now and I have other concerns like this whole champion thing, so we're just going to go with it for right now. And I'm going to watch my back. How far away from that tavern were you when you checked? Maybe like 10 blocks or something. Okay. The dice are in your favor or completely not in your favor. One or the other? Two sides of the same coin. Schrodinger's dice. All right. What are you two doing with the rest of your afternoon? You want to go back to that temple and see if we can find this person, get some more information out of her? Oh, yeah. You guys were supposed to meet up with her in the afternoon. Theoretically. Not that I keep track of time. Nope. Not that I actually made any commitments. <laughs> Willa, this is for the good of the collective knowledge of all races. Oh, believe me, I'm curious as I'll get out. I'm coming. You can't forget me again. I'll try not to. <laughs> Literally talking to her and still forget about Willow when you're talking to the person. All right, so you guys make it back to the temple grounds, and um, you you ask around, and you eventually are led back down into the library to where Vil is working. Willa, you go down this very, 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 very deep staircase until you get to the largest room, cavern, you've ever been in, and it's all full of bookshelves and books. Wow. You are fairly certain if someone was not guiding you, you would be lost. Yeah, definitely. There are some runes on some of the, like the ends of some of the bookcases, but it looks to be a fairly complicated system. I'm going to try to take note of stuff as I go as much as possible so that I could find myself. Give me a perception check. 14. Uh, you do the best you can. Barnabas, you're a minotaur. You can find your way out of any labyrinth. Mm -hmm. I'll just tag with him. Yeah. Literally, it is a character feature. <laughs> it is a racial feature. 
I cannot get lost. That's pretty sweet. You always know, I forget the exact wording, but it's you at least know the path you took in a labyrinth. Mm -hmm. So you can always find your way back the way you came. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, you guys find Vil working away at um, writing pages. And as she finishes a page, she hands it off to a young acolyte who um, basically starts transcribing it almost immediately as she finishes. And there's about 10 acolytes that are kind of like cycling through and they're each writing about, they take a page and then make four or five copies of that page and then they kind of sort it out as she's writing this down. And when she sees Barnabas, she's like, oh, oh, good. Um, I am taking all of my notes and I'm writing them out. I'm having the, um, the young ones start um, copying it for um, posterity's sake. I do have a few questions for you, um, as well as I'd like for you to read over those pages and see if I left anything out. All right. And uh, you better break out those inkwells again, because I brought another person that participated in the challenge. She stops, and the acolytes kind of like stop and look up very warily. Um, and he's like, why did you not mention this before? <laughs> <laughs> you know when you get really excited about something, you get like tunnel vision? and you... uh, Yes, yes. I have been that way about many a book. Yeah. She was, like, in the dark part of the tunnel. <laughs> I don't know if I should be offended or not. That's the best way to describe it. She gives a long sigh and then looks at you, for basically the first time. Sees that you're having, like, oh, oh dear, come come here and have a seat. She calls to one of the acolytes, go, go and fetch us some tea. And she just starts talking to you much nicer than she talked to either of the boys. She starts talking to you about some of the different things that happened and just clarifying questions. You can chime in and every once in a while she'll say like, well, Barnabas said this, but uh, Maud did not seem to agree with it. What what do you think happened? What, what's your uh, opinion at that point? Well, actually, it was mm-hmm. neither one. And she's... And I'm like reading through the transcripts and like marking out like, no. <laughs> Everything that I said. <laughs> no, just stuff that I don't feel... Makes a good story. <laughs> she does ask you intentionally about what happened after Barnabas poofed, because she did not get a great answer from <laughs> Maud. Yeah, and I will tell her about how people continued to fight and how Maud eventually was evil and destroyed me in spite of our earlier friendship and all that betrayal. Cool. So she's just going to talk, and she'll continue, like, after a while, after she's gotten more of your side, she'll start writing again and talk to you about what she's writing. And you can, like, she'll ask a few clarifying questions, you you guys clear it up, that sort of thing. But eventually, they get back in the cycle of she hands a page to the acolytes, they start copying it back and forth sort of thing again. Eventually, someone brings you guys some food, and there's plenty of tea and drink and whatnot. And you guys are down there for most of the rest of the day. And I'm going to remember to tell someone to tell Maud that we're down here. (laughs) And that he should be escorted down here. Understood. How's that studying going, Maud? Probably pretty well, considering how long I'm in there. So after you've read, like, the end of Moander, 
Um, you go back to some of the sections that had caught your eye, but you'd skipped over while skimming. Mm -hmm. And some of it's about like the stuff he did while he was an angel. This book, it mentions a lot about uh, Nainam, uh, the goddess of poison, Mm -hmm. but it's also mainly focused on Moander and what happened to him when she was alive and then what happened. It blatantly skips over the fight that killed her. Like there was just... There's a page that's just, even to you right now, it's just nonsense words. Like, they rearrange themselves into nonsense. Hmm. And then it picks up with him secluding himself away in the dark. When he was an angel, he was the god, uh, or he was the the angel of degradation. Like, the way things break down in Mm -hmm. nature. You find out that in the poison domain was also the poison that the body makes as it grows older Hmm. and as plants grow older and whatnot and that sort of degradation that happened i think eventually you are struck from your stupor by your stomach growling (laughs) and you look up and there was a fair amount of light pouring in from the tower above you Mm -hmm. But as you look up, it's slowly, the sky's turning a darker, bluish purple, telling you that it is significantly into evening at this point. And I think as you, like, look up and then stand up and look around, you do a double take because Dogum was, is literally, like, right over your shoulder reading your notes. And you see another notepad kind of in the air and a pencil floating there as he's just copying everything you write. And, like... He's not reading any other books or anything like that. He's just paying sole attention to you and what you're doing. As If you pulled out your book to cross-reference anything, he started making notes on your book that has the mold that has formed the letters. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, like, you look up, you see it's getting dark, and you, like, stand and stretch and you turn around, and there's a (laughs) beholder in your face. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, Oh, my apologies. I, I do understand I have that effect on people. I just wasn't expecting you to be there. Uh, well, I I did ask if you wanted me to leave, but you didn't say anything. You seemed fairly engrossed in uh, your uh, study. Yes, I may have gotten a little caught up in my reading. So, so you can understand that? It seems so. Interesting. The letters kind of rearranged themselves as I read. You are in contact with him, are you not? Yes. I I pretty much knew, but uh, it is always better to ask and get an answer from directly from the source as opposed to any secondhand knowledge. I mean, in contact is a questionable term in that sort of relation, I suppose. True. Uh, I presume you... Probably wanting food and uh, probably to rest. <sighs> How tired am I feeling? Because I've been probably writing all afternoon and reading all afternoon. Have you ever spent an entire day staring at a computer screen? Yes. Uh, and you know how your eyes just kind of like feel <laughs> like they're a pillow? And um, yes, that's kind of how you feel. Okay. So like... You're sore because you pretty much like sank onto the floor and started doing this stuff because there's no chairs or anything in here. So like you're sore from just sitting and, you know, not sitting in an ergonomical chair (laughs) and whatnot. And just from not moving, you are fairly stiff. Yeah. 
and your eyes and head kind of hurt, especially at the end because you're trying to read in lower and lower amounts of light. They they want me over at the... Well, I have some friends over at the uh, library and the temples, so I was planning on meeting them there this afternoon. Oh. So I should probably check if they're still there. Yes. Uh, but, uh, that's... If you do have some food, I wouldn't mind a bite beforehand, if you don't mind. Uh, yes. I will, I will um, have some food at the front desk. Um, Thank you. Sent to the front desk. I understand you needing to go and talk with your um, cohorts, but I would like to talk to you more. Yes. I may have another book or two that you may find interesting. If there's more information you can give me, I would be happy to talk. Perhaps tomorrow? I will be here. Excellent. So, go... Get some food at the front desk. Yeah. They hand you uh, a doggy bag <laughs> as you walk out the door. I'll eat on my way over to the mm-hmm. other side. It is now night. <laughs> uh, the sun has set. There are some lanterns lit, but um, yeah, you are very late for your appointment. <laughs> I'm late for a very important date. Yes. You know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's, I'm okay with that. In fact, I think when you get back to the temple areas, they have already finished in the library and they showed you back to your room and they offered you lodging here. If you don't mind, I'd appreciate it. They put you in a... It's not quite as nice as your room at the inn. I was going to say, but it's free, but your night at the inn was also (laughs) free for tonight. So, you know. I'm closer to people and, you know. Less split party. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you two are in close rooms together. Not connected, but close. Cool. I'm going to spend part of my evening transferring my money to various locations about my person and my possessions so that it's not all in like a bag together. Okay. Like sewing into secret pockets or into <laughs> my hems or yeah. You should dive into it Scrooge McDuck stuff. <laughs> It's not quite the volume to do that yet, though. Nah. Yet. Unless you convert to copper. That's I was just about to say. (laughs) Then you have some coinage. 100,000 copper pieces? Yes. (laughs) So one platinum is a thousand pe- A thousand- (laughs) It's a thousand coppers. Yeah. Yeah. Still not a ton. I mean, it might be a ton, but it's not (laughs) Considering that we have, like- or I have like 11 gold and you probably don't have a whole lot more. I have like 10 gold. Yeah. But Willa's suffering with us. She didn't get that much from it, I don't think. But you don't, how do you know? Well, I didn't, I didn't roll very high, so I didn't see how much it was. <laughs> but I assume she got paid. Minimally. Small commission. Mostly out of the goodness of your heart. Yeah. For the totally legal transaction that we just had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. All right. So, uh, Mod shows up, finally. I think it's one of those, like, you just turned off the lantern when, and then he opens the door and lights a lantern. <laughs> he kind of frightens me because in the low light, he kind of has like a yellowish hue. Come on, you look like you need to eat an orange. You look sick. Doesn't that normally look? You look less normal than you normally look. Probably just because I'm tired. Maybe. Speaking of which, I'm probably going to, yeah, go to bed pretty quickly. How was your book learning? Uh, fruitful. Interesting. How was your, uh, how was your answering questions? It was fun. I made a lot of notes because mm. she didn't really 
get down my vision 100%, but I think that second draft will be pretty good. Well, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like changed some parts that you put down because you weren't there, and... <laughs> well, at least you're honest about it. <laughs> I made you sound a lot better than you probably were. Hmm. Well, I fear for how I sound then. You should have been there. Got caught up a bit. Just kind of give him like a side eye. <laughs> He's giving me vibes. But I don't know exactly how to word. So I'm not going to. I need you all to roll me religion checks. Mm-hmm. Boy. Oh, yeah. Got this. At advantage. Oh. advantage. Because we've been doing some book learning. For other reasons. Oh, yeah. Nat 20. Yeah. 21. Nice. 13. <laughs> Could be worse. Better than my like prison force. Yeah. All right. We will start with Willa because she got the lowest. You have some strange dreams. Your dreams are, it's like you remember part of a dream, but then you know you dreamed more about something, and then you remember another part of the dream. One of your memories in your dreams is you see the Temple of Milia that that you guys were at in Kingsland, slowly having brambles and vines curl up around the outside of it. You see the main room of the fox's quiver, where you just were at, but it is covered in blood. You see a strange man holding the sword that you had. He's covered in blood, but the sword itself is perfectly clean. Those two things are pretty much what you remember. Creepy. Joel, you technically got a 21, but he got a crit, so... Yeah. Joel, you see a small sailing vessel being tossed by a storm. There's a lone person on it, but he's deep out at sea. There's no land within sight, and you know that there's no land within days of your travel, of travel from there. You see the man thrown from the ship in a giant wave and you see him slowly sink down to the bottom of the ocean where a large yellow eye opens and you see his silhouette against the eye. You see a man cloaked in shadows sitting in a jail cell deep, deep below the surface. You see the jailer who you can't quite make out, but his eyes are a deep crystal blue, staring at him almost with rage in his eyes. You see him close not just one jail cell door, but three, locking each one of them purposely and then padlocking them as well before walking away. You see the sword, the curved blade. It's shining bright in more or less a black void. It draws you, repulses you at the same time. And you feel that voice in the back of your head, the one that told you to come to Hightower, telling you to take it. Does this sound good? And, and then you have a choice. Oh. In your dream, do you reach out and grab it? Hmm. And I haven't held it before. And it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm really tired. 
So I'm probably, like, at this point, having all of the weird stuff having happened and kind of embracing it throughout the day. So you can you can decide, or you can roll a charisma check to see if you yeah, I, withstand I, this voice telling you to grab it. I like I like the persuasion, or the uh, check. So, charisma uh, check or saving throw? Charisma saving throw. Okay. Yeah, you're good at those. Uh, 17? Not good enough, though. Interesting. Um, so in your dream, you slowly reach out and you grab the handle. And as soon as you do, you are... no. It's no longer just the sword in a blank space. You are standing almost like in a ring, like an arena, with... There's a large crowd around the outside, and they would be loud and rowdy and making a ton of noise, but they're silent. You can see them yelling with their mouths open and like jumping up and down, but you don't hear anything from them. <laughs> there is a figure in the ring with you, but you can't make him out. It seems like from his eyes, just a white glow is coming out of his eyes, obscuring his face. You lift the blade up as if to f- strike a final blow on him. And that's when the dream cuts. Okay. Okay. Hey, Barnabas. <laughs> you are with Willa again, walking through the city and approaching uh, that same tavern, the Fox's Quiver. She tells you to go on in. She's going to have a look around, make sure no one's trying to ambush or anything like that. So you walk on in, you open the door, and the tavern is empty, save for the barkeeper at the uh, standing there behind the bar, shining glasses. You go up, you order, just like you did today. She brings you the food, but Willa has not come back into the room, has not walked into the room. Eventually, you see that woman who Willa did business with walk in, look around, talk to the barkeep for a moment, and then walk back the way that she and Willa went, but she walks alone. You wonder where Willa is at, but you cannot move from that bar stool. You cannot get up. Uh, You turn your attention back to your water and bread, almost more playing with it now than eating at it out of worry. Uh, When you hear that horrible, awful lute playing abruptly stop with a like a twang like he broke a string. You turn slowly to look at the bard um, in the corner and as you do, you see that this place it's not empty. It is full of people but it is full of dead bodies. Blood everywhere. The sound you heard was, yes, it was a string breaking, but it was also the last note that the bard played before he died. You see that woman who did dealings with Willa holding the blade in her hand, and you see a figure walk up behind her and slit her throat and take the blade from her. You see him walk out the door and you follow. You're finally able to move from your chair, and you follow. He walks, and you follow as he walks out of the city, out of Bymore, 
out across the river and back down the path that you took to get here. And then you hear a whispering in your head. And it is High Priestess Miriam telling you to come home. Okay? Okay. That dream fades. You see a man in a cage. Not a jail cell, but a cage. It looks like it is suspended over an abyss, but the abyss is all around you. He sits there. You can't make out his face. You can't make out any features. But he sits there, and he's just tossing a coin up into the air and catching it. And flicking it up into the air and catching it. And that sound just repeats as it fades out. And y'all wake up. Respectively, at your own times, not all at once. I mean, you guys got a full rest. You feel fine. You feel like you slept great to some troubling dreams. <laughs> Just a smidge. What do these dreams mean? Are they foreshadowing things to come? Find out next time on The Legends of Loam. I hope you enjoyed episode 12 of The Legends of Loam. As always, you can find maps, timelines, and other world-building things at our website, thelegendsofloam.com. We are The Legends of Loam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email us at thelegendsofloam at gmail.com. Or you can find all those links and more at thelegendsofloam.com. And hey, thank you for joining our game.